0: Back, you're watching Stockwatch with me, Juliette Televi, and joining me to take your questions this evening are Willem Oldervacher from Nitrogen Fund Managers and Derek Jansen van Rensburg from Anchor. If you'd like to send questions to us, please SMS 41392, email Stockwatch at bdtv.co.za, or tweet us at Business TV using the hashtag Stockwatch. Uh, Willem, Derek, nice to see you both here this evening. Willem, if I may start with you tonight, um, a decent close for the JSE up four tenths of a percent. We follow on from US markets, which did very nicely on Friday, there was a big recovery um, Well, in Apple shares, they had a fantastic day. Um, and the one share that did exceptionally well today was NASPASS. Uh, and there's a question on it already, so I'm just going to go straight into that because uh, then we can maybe talk about what happened to the US markets on Friday. But the question um, is, you know, it was down considerably last week, it's up 8% today. Um, all this while Tencent has remained flat over the same period. The skeptic in me sees this anomaly as related to their buyback program and how many shares they d- decide to buy back from one week to the next. What, is your guests, what do your guests say? Um, so what do you say?
1: Yes, so I think that's a very good start. Um, NASPERS and process have been cheap for so long. I think after today, it's still maybe a forty, maybe a 39% discount for process and a 59% uh, discount to Tencent for NASPERS. So, um, the buybacks, um, if you look closely, they're limited to 20% of the daily volume for process, but unlimited for NASPERS. So, over the last few weeks, NASPERS House has been outperforming process as they catch up in terms of the sort of economic interest ratio that they published when they initialized the uh, buyback. And then, with that, um, there is a decoupling between uh, 10 cents and NASPERS, and there are, there are many reasons for it. I think um, the news from uh, the Chinese Communist Party was much more shocking to 10 cents only. And I think people forget that NASPERS isn't really a, a Tencent proxy. There's obviously lots of other sort of food delivery, ed tech ventures, lots of other businesses. Hmm. Um, and some of the results from those businesses were not too bad. And then coupled with that, there's a rumor floating that, uh, like, like I say, a rumor floating that um, NASPERS might be able to sell. If uh, they can get Tencent to agree, because I think there are actually bilateral agreements that they can't, but to sell all of their holdings to a uh, Chinese consortium, probably at some sort of a discount, mm-hmm. but obviously not 50%, which means there would be a value unlock for NASPERS and process holders. So yeah. I think a conference of all those things have pushed the shares up. But bearing in mind that process trades at 40% discount to, to NAV and NASPERS to 50
0: yeah. I don't
1: think 7% is, is too much of an outperformance for today.
0: Yeah. I mean, in fact, we're only just making back what they lost in one day, uh, or what was it, last week, Monday. Um, Derek, just on that rumor, so who's the consortium? And is there any... Uh, I presume there's no detail on price. Uh, and and so yeah, do you think that's yeah. realistic? I mean, or is this just kind of... no. Yeah.
2: <laughs> no, we've got to look. We've got to look at it as a rumor. You know, if there was some serious intent here, obviously there has to be some some kind of communication with the market. But there is a news source out uh, called Asia Tech Press, um, and and it's a consortium led by a Chinese state-owned investment firm that uh, apparently are in talks with uh, Nasba's process to acquire the Tencent Holdings. So as I said, it's simply just a rumor at this stage, but it could account for some of the outperformance today alongside uh, what Willem Willem highlighted with regards to the share buyback program taking place. Hmm. I mean, Tencent is at all time lows if you just look at it over the last five years. I mean, alongside a lot of these Chinese Chinese, uh, tech companies. So, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if you do start to see some of these state owned consortiums from a China perspective starting to. Significantly increase their stakes in in a lot of these equity companies at these prices. So yeah, you just got to look at it with open eyes at this point.
0: Um, just Jens, maybe just sticking with this, Willem. You know, you talked about the other investments within Prosys um, and Bob van Dijk, Well, they were quite keen to put a valuation. What is it, thirty billion dollars, thirty billion euros? Uh, I'm going to, going a blank on which was the currency. But you know, they say there's a value there. I, I mean. And yet, the market still mainly regards process and Nuspass as a sort of a 10 cent proxy, but with a discount <laughs> um, because the other assets are chewing up cash, none of them are, are, are especially profitable yet. but for you are those would you agree with those valuations that NASPAS slash process came out with itself uh, uh, earlier this year or last year?
1: Sure, so they publish a bunch of um prices for all the unlisted assets, which they say is analyst consensus. So those I would be skeptical on, but a few of their holdings, a fairly large number of their holdings are, of course, listed. So delivery euro, uh, mail.ru is suspended, but while it was listed, um, as it was a VK group uh, in London. Um, so that was with, suspended with the uh, Russia-Ukraine invasion. And then a whole bunch of small listed things, uh, names that come up, I think Swiggy, um they were going to buy bull disk that's not listed but let's say let's say 20 to 30 percent is listed which means you can trust the price and then um obviously they got a buyer or they say they're they able to sell a vita. so that's also a massive um value unlock hmm. so some of its uh, transaction prices some of its listed equity prices which i think can be trusted and then like you say uh, i think the unlisted prices if you look at multiples in the listed space i think they might be a little bit generous so you could probably take a 20 to 30 percent head haircut Took the last published valuations from, uh, from NASPAS and Process.
0: Yeah, I mean, and those valuations were made at, I suppose, heady times for the tech um, industry generally. Um, Derek, would you, is it quite, it's quite fun to trade NASPAS and Process, but I mean, do you, do you fundamentally believe in either of, either of these? Because there's, there's a school of thought that is just very worried about the direction that China is taking under uh, you know, its ruler for life now. Um, and there's another school of thought that says these are just so cheap. There's such a big discount in net asset value that, you know, w- you know, take a punt because uh, this is now yeah. the time to buy.
2: Well, if you just look at NASBIS and process and you look at what management have achieved there over the last five years, in my opinion, they, they haven't necessarily acted in the best interests of shareholders. Um, you know, if you just look at the share incentive scheme for a lot of the management and the directors there, uh, the dilution that's taken place, some of the deals that they've done, uh, you know, they haven't been that value enhancing if you just move away from that signature 10 cent asset. Obviously, you've got 10 cent moving from a share price where it peaked around, uh, I think around 700 Hong Kong dollars and sitting at about just about 200 Hong Kong dollars now. Yes, they sold off a bit of a stake, um, but certainly I, I don't think that they've really asset allocated correctly. So, you know, I, I'm in two minds about it. You know, if I just look at tech companies generally and I just look at what's available out there from a global perspective, I think there's better tech companies out there. You've obviously got the potential of corporate action that can take place with unbundlings, et cetera, and some value unlock, but there's better tech companies out of there. That's my long and short.
0: Okay. And Willem, last word from you. I mean, would you agree? You're nodding. So I presume you agree with <laughs> Yeah,
2: Yes,
1: so I think Derek's... Um take on process management is absolutely correct. I think they've destroyed way more value than they've created um, in their tenure as uh, the current management team of NASPERs. But I think um, things are changing. they sort of stepped away from the build-desk acquisition. They are trying to narrow the discount with sort of practical action instead of, you know, spinning out another leg. This process, it's been an incredibly complicated round trip, but right now they are they are actually buying um, their own shares at a 50% discount and I can't see any better investments for them. So I think the future is probably a bit better than the past. Okay.
0: All right. Um, moving on, and um, it relates to Amazon actually, but in an oblique way, Um, and maybe we'll get to Amazon after the question, but let's uh, go to it first. Um, The the viewer says, I'm going to have to go back to this question. With Amazon almost making it into the country in South Africa, what's the box paper packaging market looking like? Your thoughts on Mondi and Sapi. Willem, staying with you, Sapi's been kind of the the, the dark horse this year, Um, Mondi not so much. Um, and, and with regards to the relationship that they may enjoy with an Amazon, um, do you think they're evident beneficiaries?
1: Yes, marginal. I'm not entirely sure that it's going to change the, you know, like really um, change the numbers on the on the bottom line in the income statements. But uh, like you said, so sappy has always had a terrible rating. And finally this year they've sort of re-rated and been able to deliver on their, their promises. So it was always a, a next quarter or a next half story, you know, they always promised to sort of, they also always just over and undelivered. And then this year with the massively improved graphic paper prices and corrugated paper prices and um, dissolving wood pulp prices specifically um, in the Euro business, um, they've, they've been able to deliver. And I mean, if you look at the, the earnings, it's sort of, you're paying three, four years Uh, earnings in price, which is completely crazy. And then on the Mondi side, it's sort of the unfortunate opposite. Mondi always looked at a a, a much better um, business model with much better sort of return on capital. But so much of that came from Russia. And then the moment sort of the first time we could see a disaggregated sort of earnings split uh, when they had to sort of tell us what's going on in Russia because of the Ukraine invasion. um, It appeared that the South African business was not nearly as as good a sort of uh, allocation of capital as the, the Russian business was. So, mm. so massive de-rating uh, in those two stocks. And I think maybe right now, SAP is sort of fairly priced, maybe with some upside. And Mondi, although cheap, um, I think it's a, there's a good um, reasoning behind mm. its current valuation. So, I don't think it's a, it's a buy, it's just cheap relative to its own history.
0: Okay. Derek, mm. how about you and, and your thoughts? Because I mean, you know, Amazon was talking, uh, one of the things, the reasons they spooked the market so much, and they're now regarded as a bellwether for for the consumer economy. Uh, which is kind of an interesting shift um, in the last, say, 15 years. But they said that they're just—it's very uncertain as to what um, uh, consumers' purchasing ability will be in in the short term. Uh, you know, given what's happened to inflation and um, what's happened to the US housing market and interest rates, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but if there is sort of a rebound in consumer confidence, would you see? Uh, kind of the Amazon slash Mondi link um, playing out? There might be a bit of a rebound for Mondi, or would you rather go with Willem's thesis that it was the Russian assets that were very valuable and having stripped those out, they look a little bit naked?
2: Yeah, so I think if you just go back before the Russia-Ukraine invasion um, and you go back even five to seven to eight years, Mondi has been a phenomenal company and delivered some great earnings and given you some consistent share price performance over the years. I think that um, obviously there was a bit of a shock in terms of their Russian assets, um, and as you say, we're dealing with the sort of rising tide of inflation, consumer pressure. Um, you know, people are tightening their belts, consumer spend is down. It's a contractionary economic environment. So. Those sort of dynamics do need to change before you start to see a bit of an uptick in consumer confidence and some spend out there. Um, yeah, obviously, there could be some degree of a tie-up. I'd like to see the backdrop of a better macroeconomic environment. Um, yeah, I, I'm not too excited by it. Let's just call it that. But certainly, there could be a potential tie-up. But as I say, you know, you just need better better markets, better economics behind it.
0: Mm, Okay. And then just on SAPI, I mean, you know, Avila made the point that SAPI is on a very uh, low multiple, but I suppose there's still market skepticism having been burnt for so long. You think, okay, well, they've come up with what, six, seven quarters of consistent earnings, but could the next quarter go backwards? (laughs) And I suppose that makes you a bit uncertain about the earnings future, which is maybe why the multiple is as low as it is.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So that's why... You know, stocks generally are cheap for a reason. So, you know, you you're going to look at that multiple, and you're going to say, well, what is the market factoring in here? And it is exactly what you say. You know, there could be a downturn coming. I mean, we know that we're going to see further interest rate hikes, and we're going to see the effect on consumer spend as well. So, I think generally companies are under a bit of pressure. You've also got wage uh, increases that still need to filter their way through. So generally the economic environment is a bit cautious about the next sort of six to 12 months. And I think that's why you start to see this sort of lower rating in the market that we see currently.
0: Um, I want to, um, but not actually Amazon. So uh, these were the tech stocks that came out with results last week. Amazon had a horrible week. It was down about 13% over the the five days trading. Uh, Meta had a terrible time. Apple had a fantastic Friday. Um, And one of the quotes that I picked up from an FT article was talking about how uh, money is likely to point to stocks once inflation and interest rates have clearly peaked, which we hope is gonna happen sooner than later. And this uh, person said, we're looking at cash levels for money managers at highs that we haven't seen in 20 years. When money starts to rotate back into the equity market, it's going to be explosive. Um, Willem, do you agree with that view? Because that's quite bullish. I mean, there's, I suppose there's, uh, you know, different schools of thought that we're going to have a slow grind for equity markets for the next half decade at least, and then you get this view that actually there's lots of cash sort of storing away just waiting to, to be funneled into the equity market.
1: Yes, so I think that's definitely a very bullish long only view. (laughs) I think the everybody sort of saying the Fed pivot would be the end of this, but why would you take risk, equity risk, if there are real interest rates in debt? Because it's riskless. So I think that's a very sort of hopeful view on equity markets, which I, I'd sort of like to support, but I can't fundamentally agree with because hmm. if, if you can get, let's say, 10% in, the, in developing market debt or maybe four or 5% in developed market debt, why would you sort of take chances in the stock market? So I think, I think interest rates need to come down really, honestly, uh, to see that, that cash on the sidelines because that cash is earning that interest, um, yeah. those interest levels I'm thinking about. So, so I think there needs to be a reason for fund managers to, to decide to do that. So, I'm not, I'm not fully on board the sort of full-on bullish um, inflation peaking because if, if inflation peaks at, let's say, 8 9% and over the next four or five years, it, it slowly drifts back to 2%. That means we're going to have years of seven, six, five, four, and 3% inflation, which still sounds like a very large amount to me and sort of similar interest rates. Mm. So, yeah, you know, I don't agree really. Um, I think I sort of agree with the sort of long drag for the, the equity markets over the next sort of five years.
0: Oh, damn. <laughs> okay, well, that will lead us to your <laughs> stock pick a bit later. Um, Derek, yeah, it's quite, that does sound like a, a wishful view rather than maybe a realistic view of the market, unless you have a different take on things.
2: So, look, I think we need to put into perspective that investors have been extremely spoiled. In fact, since the financial crisis up until where we are at the moment, where in developed markets, you've just garnered such great returns in dollar terms. um, And this is almost like a sort of hangover that's been uh, catalyzed by COVID that's obviously got too much cash in the system. And we're obviously trying to combat it by bringing cash out of the system increasing rates and inflation is obviously the indicator to that what i can say and and kind of through the years watching the markets is you never know where the bottom is going to be um you need to always just keep an eye on the valuations you need to go through those results you mentioned some of those big tech results that came out last week they're not on too demanding valuations you know obviously there was a big debate between Uh, value and growth a couple of months back and where you should be positioned. And I do think that there's pockets of the growth story that's starting to show some value at this point. I don't know where this bottom is going to be. I think you obviously want to stick to your good quality companies that have got high levels of cash on balance sheet, which talks to your Apple, the Apple outperformance last week. Um, And you want to buy into these things and just be patient. I mean, they could bumble around for Mm. a couple of years, but I do think that once the language starts to to change from a Fed perspective, equity markets will look through the sort of uh, t- sort of you know interest rates coming down on a phased approach, and they will look through that, and you'll see that bounce in equities quite sharply and quite quickly. So you don't want to not participate, but obviously let, high, we'll call it heightened levels of cash or quite prudent at this point. But you want to bottom pick and just you know, stick to good quality stocks.
0: Yeah, okay. And prepare to bumble. Um, Then there's a question on a company which uh, all of us had to scratch our heads and try and remember if we knew it. Um, It's the view uh, um, on Lighthouse properties as a buy at the current price. It has a good portfolio of properties abroad. Dividends are paid twice a year. And there's also a script dividend alternative offered. Willem, um, unfortunately, none of us here, uh, so that's our caveat, actually follow this closely. This was Green Bay Properties, right? It was the which was the resilience stable. Can you add anything else? I mean, is it something that you would follow at all?
1: Yeah, so what I would say in, in short is that if you're looking for listed property, I, I think especially for a retail investor, it would be a, a much better idea to look sort of for a top five South African property index um because because your reason for holding would be exactly what the the user asked or the caller asked, which is uh, income. So the twice a year dividends. Mm. Um, South African are under a, a lot of pressure. I mean they've done poorly and they sort of we're still not back to pre twenty. It's not even close to pre twenty twenty levels for most of them. And um, from from my personal experience from property companies, it's a lot of capital raising and very little value creation. So I think if I were to invest, maybe invest in resilient rather than the uh, the company that's been out of it. But um, yeah, Apparently. that's like you say, uh, an opinion from someone who doesn't really follow the stock that closely.
0: Yeah. Um, Derek, have you had a close look at it uh, lately?
2: No, I, I haven't. But I mean, let's just kind of touch on listed property generally from a global perspective and from a local perspective. I mean, you know, we in this environment, as we said, where it's a contractionary contract- environment. I think, you know, obviously, uh, interest rates are going up. Rental incomes need to be pushed through, whether it's industrial, whether it's retail, whatever it has to be. But people are under under pressure to meet those demands from these property owners at the moment. So, you know, I, I would anticipate, you know, you're going to see softer share prices whilst yields slowly catch up in this sort of increasing interest rate environment. Long and short, I think it's going to be that sort of sideways trading action where it's just not very exciting. Um, And that talked to the local and the global property market. So, Yeah. yeah, you know, you've got to look at the quality of the assets, but I think we can look at property later. It's just not quite the time just yet.
0: And it's actually not just South Africa. Um, my colleague at the Financial Mail, Joan Muller, wrote a story on you know whether or not you should be buying REITs. I mean, if you can buy bonds, why would you buy REITs? And I think the performance of the UK and US sort of listed property market has been horrible this year. So if you feel bad about South Africa, don't, because it's been a fairly universal phenomenon. Um, uh, okay, so so we'll leave it there. And apologies to the viewer that none of us um, look closely at lighthouse uh, properties. Uh, a question on the panels via Renogen and Richemont. Well, um, Renogen had a bit of a wobble uh, and then they came out uh, with a sense statement saying, you know, they had to uh, sort of halt, um, I suppose, production or systems at, at the, 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 the helium plant. They were disappointed in that, but they felt that it was the right thing to do. And in the shares, I know it's just rallied quite nicely today. Have you been keeping a close eye on this at all?
1: Yeah, I think um, in South Africa, anything renewables is sort of very um, topical. So definitely keeping a close eye. We're not invested, or I'm not invested at all in in Renegen, but I think it's a space to to keep a close on. I think the potential capital investments in that sort of space is massive. So um, we we look at rolling very closely um, for the for the same reason because with load shedding and if you if you listen to banks when they when you do capital markets days, all of them are sort of vying for all this business. I mean, Vodacom is building a solar plant. Heineken's building a solar plant, all the mines are considering solar plants. And I think if, if these companies can jump in and grab those contracts, it's a great sort of long term cyclical play. Um, so that's why, why I think energy is much more interesting than sort of, you know, the day to day news flow. Yeah. So I think as, as an industry, it's definitely worth sort of for South Africa, hopefully sort of one of the sort of things coming up and really happening.
0: Yeah, let's hope so. And I suppose that, you know, maybe the heat has come out of the, the share price. Uh, and so you mentioned Roinitz, Um Just for the guys in the control room, I think the code is RLO. I mean, Roinitz is a company that no one's really talked about for years now. It was very exciting in the the run-up to the Football World Cup, as I remember. And, you know, when Jacob Zuma, who our then president, was promising huge amounts of money to be spent on infrastructure, and everyone thought, ah, okay, Roinitz is going to benefit, and then nothing really happened. Um Derek is this one that you've looked at recently at all or and uh, or back to the original question on on whether you would um, buy Renogen?
2: Uh, So looking at Renogen I mean we have discussed it I know it's a very topical uh, share on on the show um, and obviously being under pressure I think the company is still very much an exploration business there's still a lot of money that needs to be pumped into the phase two project um, obviously, phase one is starting to come into production. There's some revenue coming up. They're, they're ticking all the boxes. They're moving in the right direction. But this is a long-term story, you know. And obviously, it's been hyped up a lot. It's a very well-talked-about stock, probably around a lot of price. Um, But uh, just be patient with it. It's a, it's a good story but it's gonna take time to play out. That's my synopsis on it. At okay. 26 Rand, it looks interesting, yeah. but it is gonna be subject to a bit of volatility, just given the sort of exploration nature of what the business actually is. Yeah,
0: okay, and very quickly, and um, your thoughts on uh, Richmond? Um, uh, sorry, this was the second part of the video's question.
2: So Richmond, um, you know, they've been coming out with some decent updates. The share price has done phenomenally well. If you look at it over the last 18 months, um, Been a big performer in terms of the JSE or, con- or constituent of the JSC, um, I just worry about this sort of very economic environment and how consumer will kind of, you know, feel on the backdrop of what's happening with this higher interest rate environment. I still think it's a great quality business. You don't want to sell it in your portfolio if you've got it. It peaked around 240 Rand not so long ago, um, sitting at about 180-ish. Yeah, if you've got it, hold it. If I'm going to buy it, I'd probably wait for a little bit lower levels okay. um, and, and just kind of ride the cycle out in terms of the economic environment we're in.
0: Yeah. Very quickly, Willem, you're, uh, would you look at buy, uh, your thoughts on Richmond uh, before we get to your stock pick?
1: Yeah, I like Richmond. I think luxury is uh, very resilient in tough economic times, and it's sort of been proven with some of the other sort of European luxury companies. So, yes, it's 20% of the, the JC top 40, and I think it's sort of the fact that it's kept its weighting probably means uh, asset managers think that too
0: okay all right but getting to your stock picks it's not actually a stock um and so tell us why you're buying uh, long dated government bonds
1: yeah so i think um firstly if you look at the medium term budget budget policy statement that came out last week fiscally south africa is looking a lot better than everybody thought it would and we sort of always believed that it was all down to the mines but if you look at bank earnings bank taxes lots of retailers are doing fairly well we, we have a massive corruption problem, but I think from the taxing income sort of, sort of side, I think it's, it's going way better than that's made out mm. in the news in South Africa. Um, we're going to have surpluses for for years to come um, if if things stay the way they are. Mm. And then um, I think bonds are just a much, much safer place and you're getting compensated for no risk compared to sort of taking incredibly large drawdowns and an incredibly large amount of risk in in equity markets. And then finally, just um, South Africa, I think uh, the RANDs is too weak. I think um, if you look at our current accounts and the sort of interest rate parity, inflation differential between us and sort of developed markets, it's a great time. To be in South African government bonds. Um, yeah, bonds are, are an alternative, you know, like people yeah. always speak about equities, but asset managers are allowed to sort of buy bonds if they, <laughs> you
0: they pay well. You're allowed to have your 60, 40 split. split. Um, Derek, very quickly, your, your um, stock pick this evening, you said Sassel.
2: Uh, yeah, well-known stock Sassel. Um, just looking at their recent numbers that were released, I think the business is in a very healthy position, a lot different to when we went through the sort of COVID pandemic, where we saw a share price of 20 Rand a share. Long and short, I think the, the oil price is kind of traded between this 110 and lower 90 type dollar uh, band for some time, sitting at about $93. Um, yeah, I think it's well positioned. I think they're going to continue to de- deliver on decent earnings or pre- uh, predictability of earnings. <clears throat> so you can probably look forward to some dividend flow coming out of SASL over the next 6, 12, and 18 months. Um, so, yeah. Uh, long and short, I think the oil price has got some degree of an underpin to it at $90 a barrel in and around those levels, and I think for that reason Sassel looks too cheap to me, and I think we should see our share price closer towards 400 Rand.
0: Hmm, okay. Great. Uh, Derek, Willem, we'll leave it there. Thank you very much for joining us this evening. Uh, nice to chat to you both. Willem Olderwacher is from Nitrogen Fund Managers. Derek Janssen von Rendsburg is from Anker, and he's back with Stockwatch tomorrow night. Do you have a good evening. <laughs>
2: Oh, yeah.